0: How you doing? Good. Wow. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence. Wow. Wow, God. Wow, Jesus. Wow. Why are you sat there? Just as well sit in His love. Wow, God! Wow, God! Romans five says, said that He has poured His love into our hearts by His Holy Spirit. The Lord is just releasing that right now. He's just releasing that right now. He's just pouring, the Father is pouring his love into your hearts right now. Wow, thank you, Father. Father, just deposit that deeper right now in Jesus' name. Just deposit that deeper right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. The Father doesn't, he doesn't like complicated, but he, he always likes deeper is always deeper Father just release that right now wow there it is thank you God thank you God thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus don't you just love that he wants this more than we do he wants this more than we do. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. Thank you, Father. You know, it's impossible where there is an atmosphere of His presence and healthy beliefs for healing not to happen. It is impossible where there is an atmosphere of His presence and healthy beliefs for healing not to happen, for miraculous not to happen for encounters not to happen. Why? Because he already paid for those things. That's his intent. He's already paid for those things. That's his intent. Wow, thank you, Father. You know, the other week I was like running to pick up my kids from school and I saw this like guy standing outside the Asda and I just was like, as I was running... I'm still trying. Even when I'm running, I'm still trying to cultivate an awareness of His love and His presence. Because God doesn't have holy events and holy moments; it's all holy to Him. It's all special to Him. It's all an opportunity to experience His love. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter whether you feel like you're rushing or whatever. And um, and I'm running past, and I see this guy, and I just think. He's got something going on with his right elbow. And I just shout to him about his right elbow. And he just confirms that it's right. And then I walk up to him. By the time I get to him, his right elbow's healed. This whole encounter is less than 60 seconds. It's literally like a one minute running to the school to pick up my kids. Word of knowledge, man gets healed, experiences the father's love, carry on going to school. But it is impossible... When you have an atmosphere, and it doesn't, it doesn't have to mean that you're in a place like this, but when you're creating and cultivating that atmosphere of his presence in your own life, it is impossible if you partner that with healthy beliefs for good stuff not to happen. I, I am a good stuff machine. Everywhere I go, good stuff happens. It's impossible for good stuff not to happen. Everywhere you go, good stuff happens. Wow, everywhere you go, revival happens. Thank you, Father. Would you turn, turn your Bibles to Galatians 5? We're just continuing the season that we've been doing on Galatians. <clears throat> and it's verse uh, 16 that we're starting at. I think Pete was talking on the same bit today, so I'm going to listen to his podcast and find out whether, whether I contradicted him <coughs> after today, not before. I think it's probably a good idea. So, so I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature they are in conflict with each other so that you do not know, do not do what you want. that if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy drunkenness, orgies, and the like, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Now, a key part of this whole section is live by the Spirit. And my passion, one of my passions, is to see people activated in the presence of God, which comes about through renewed minds, changing the way we think. That's fundamentally how it happens it happens through what we believe. If we're believing the right things. We don't need to persuade God to do anything because it was already his idea. If we're believing the right things, then we get activated in the presence of God and we see stuff happen. Now, one of the things that I'm particularly passionate for people to know is that it's not about getting more of God. Now, we, talk, we hear people say that a lot in churches... And it don't get me wrong, it comes from a healthy place, right? I'd rather people said that than people be indifferent to God. Getting more of God comes from a good place. But if we continue to entertain it, the church will never fulfill its potential. If we continue to entertain that thought process, the church will never fulfill its potential. Because really... We should be repulsed by any form of Christianity that suggests I don't already fully have him. I know. Yes. I know. I'm just gonna tell you a story that some of you gonna just think you're gonna think I'm a bit of a wacko, so get ready. Um, <laughs> but um, maybe I am, but here we go, um, but it was the other week, I was, uh, it was like 11 o'clock at night, and um, I was about to go to bed. Now I'm going to tell you this context before, because it's, it's not what you're expecting. I was in the bathroom brushing my teeth, looking at be- reading BBC Sport on my phone. I just wanted to make sure how many points Liverpool had at the top of the league, I just wanted to double check that. So right now it's 11, by the way, in case you're wondering, it's 11. Um, and so I was reading this, and I finished brushing my teeth. Now, so our bedroom in our house is on the top floor, so it kind of occupies the whole of the top floor, so there's like a bathroom and then like a little sort of like corridor area to the, the bedroom area. So I was, and as I came out of the bathroom and I'm walking out that way, I just paused for a minute just to enjoy his goodness. It wasn't. It wasn't like, oh, I. Oh, it's. Oh, it's eleven o'clock. It's quiet time. It wasn't like I'd planned it. It wasn't like I was like, oh, now I'm going to sit down and have my prayer time. I was just on my way from looking at BBC Sport to my to my bed, and I paused to enjoy His goodness. That that's the life that we're called to lead. Yeah, and I, I'm on a journey on that, but. The more you go into it, the more you realize how much more of it there is. And I just paused to enjoy his goodness. And then I just thought, wow, it just feels really good. So I just decided to just sit down on the floor right there where I was and enjoy his goodness. And then something happened. And at first I thought, it's 11 o'clock at night. Maybe I'm just tired and I'm seeing things. But I start seeing this like mist appearing. And then this kind of mist and this like smoke like appears in front of me. And then it's like all the particles in the air are just suddenly visible to me. And they're like fizzing around. It's like they've been electrically charged. And then I start seeing these sparkles appear in this cloud. It went on for about, I'd say, two or three minutes. It was what I would describe as a cloud of his glory. And all I can say is I enjoyed it. It just felt really good. Now the, f- the funny thing is is that after some point after that, probably the next morning, I was like, because you, 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 something like that happens, and you're going to ask questions.'re so like, well, you know, I actually have experienced that before a few years ago in 2011, when Bethel Church started experiencing these glory clouds filling the sanctuary, and we were there for that, and we were in the, one of some of those. But I'd never experienced that happen in my house before, and um, and so I asked this question. I, you, know, you know, like how when Peter was on the mountain with Jesus in the Transfiguration, he asked he asked a pretty dumb question about putting up a shelter. <laughs> and I was like, God, what did I do? And I I I I, kind of, I could felt, felt him chuckle. It's really, well, as he said, it's really not what you did. But I am liking what you're starting to believe. I am liking what you're starting to believe. You see, we're finally starting to believe that he wants this more than we do. We're finally starting to believe he wants this more than we do. Now, when that actually starts to happen in someone's life things start to look different. Things, the things we do and how we do them start to look different. The way we posture ourselves as we do things starts to look different. Our worship, it starts to become a response to his goodness, not an attempt to earn it. It starts to become a response to his goodness, not an attempt to earn it. Healing. We start to see it as a response of obedience to the highest price that he already paid rather than an attempt to persuade him to love the one we see in front of us. The way we gather, the way we meet together. When we behave as if he's not yet in the room, it's no longer Christianity that we're doing. Christianity means to be completely Christ-oriented in everything you do in your life. That's what the itty bit is at the end of it. Christianity is to be Christ-oriented in how you do everything. So when we behave as if he's not in the room yet, we're actually revolving our lives around the absence of Christ. Rather than Christ. That's not Christianity. You know, talking about the presence isn't enough. What are you believing about his presence? Do you believe that it's unconditionally with you and for you? You know, um, sometimes when I'm up here, so there are some times where I don't maybe, I don't even start preaching for like 20 minutes. And I, I joke about it when that happens. But, you know, I make jokes about people thinking, who is this guy just saying wow at the front of the church? But what, what have we come here to do? What have we come here to do? Have we come here with the expectation to sing some songs and to hear someone talk and then go home? Or have we come here to gather around the presence? Have we come here with the expectation that the one who paid the highest price to pursue in pursuit of us, that when we come together in his name, That his presence and his glory will be manifest here. And everything will change. Everything will change. Every sickness will leave. Every life will get touched. What have we come here for? What do we believe? You know, I think the most dangerous person in the church is that person who is confident enough and seems competent enough to lead us and impress us and convince us all apart from the presence of God. Because where are they leading you? You know, so I just said a minute ago back to this verse that the key key part of this is that first bit, verse 16 live by the Spirit. Most of the rest of what we've just read after that is actually an explanation of what happens if you do or don't do that. Notice that it doesn't say we won't gratify the desires of the sinful nature by trying not to. Do you notice that? It doesn't say you won't gratify the desires of the sinful nature by trying not to. Yet that's often the way that we read this and that we interpret stuff like this. I'm going to be slightly controversial here. I'm seeing in my head. I'm seeing David's feedback, <laughs> preaching feedback email, coming through to me on Tuesday morning. Now I'm only joking. They're always lovely. They're always lovely. You know, often in the church, what we basically do is sin avoidance programs. We tell each other, Jesus breaks every chain. But then we go and try and fix things on our own strength a lot of the time. I'm not talking about Eastgate here. I'm talking on a higher level, right? But often what we do is we create groups and ministries that have at their center the avoidance of sin behaviors. Now, I'm going to give an example here, and I don't want you to think that I'm saying that these things are wrong, because I'm not, and I know that they do lots of great work. Okay, so please don't think that I'm criticizing or anything like that. But men's purity groups, as an example. Many great things have happened through groups like that before, but so often people I know who've been in groups like that and people I know who've led groups like that, what I quite often hear from them is actually the stories of people who are trapped in cycles and patterns of behavior that they can't break out of. I hear story after story of people who are trapped in these cycles. Why? Because we're gathering around a problem rather than the person. What if, rather than doing a group that is at its heart and its center is about how can I break free from this addiction, we have a group where we teach them about cultivating the presence in every aspect of their life. What if we teach young men what it looks like to cultivate the presence while I'm on the internet? If I'm cultivating the presence when I'm on the internet, suddenly there isn't so much space in my life for the things that I used to try and desperately try and avoid but couldn't or how about when i'm on the train home how about we teach them how to cultivate the presence when they're on the train home from work you know it's kind of hard to keep looking at a woman lustfully on the other side of the train when you're cultivating the father's love for her when you're thinking god save that woman God, I want an an opportunity to bring the gospel to that woman right now. Would you open a door right now? You know, there is two worlds there that they cannot coexist. You know, we're not going to find the answers by looking harder and gathering around the problems. If we just put the presence of God... At the center, then we'd realize that the fuller we get, the hungrier we get. And anything getting in the way of experiencing that, what I've got with him, that suddenly becomes an easy no. We end up revolving our lives around trying not to do that thing, whatever it is, instead of revolving our lives around something that we get to do. Which is enjoy Him and His goodness. If we just did that in every area of our lives, those things wouldn't have space anymore. Now it's kind of hard to notice those temptations when you're too busy enjoying His goodness. Maybe we need to give up, right? Sorry, rather than take up sin avoidance programs. Maybe we need to give up our presence avoidance programs. That's a good word. (laughs) Say it again. Rather than taking up sin avoidance programs, behaviors, whatever it is, rituals, routines, maybe we need to give up our presence avoidance programs. In other words, I won't get to list two in here by trying to avoid list one. It doesn't work that way. Living by the Spirit doesn't start by trying to fix and modify my old behaviors. It starts by changing what I believe. If I try and do all the things on that good list... But I'm not consciously cultivating a lifestyle where I'm becoming aware of his goodness, where I allow him to marinate me in his goodness all the time, which comes as a result of believing, changing the way I think, believing that he's unconditionally for me and with me. If I don't do that, and I try and do those things, I will end up doing it from an orphan mindset, and I'll end up in religion and performance and it just doesn't work. The problem is, we, we off, these familiar verses here, we often read it and interpret it on some level like it's an instruction, a list of instructions. Do these things and you'll be living by the Spirit. Like we've, you, we've all read those things before and memorized the fruit of the Spirit, and it's almost like a checklist of whether I am. It's almost like, oh, oh I didn't do that today. I need to have a little bit more patience. Do these things and you'll be living by the Spirit. It says they're fruit. That means consequences of, not means to. You know, a tip on reading the Bible is, I always ask myself, what kind of sentence is this? Is it? Is it an instruction? Is it a promise? If it's a promise, who was it to? Was it a general promise? Was it a... Given to a particular group of people. You know, verse 16 is an instruction with a promise. Live by the Spirit, that's the instruction. The promise comes after, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. It's a promise. Your job? is the first part. His job? Second part. Live by the Spirit. All the rest is just, he will take care of that if you do that bit. Your job, just let him get you good and proper. And stay there, never leave there. Get drunk, stay drunk. Might as well. (laughs) Wow. Might as well just rest in his love for a moment. You you can only recreate what you cultivate. You only get to give away what you've got on inside you. So you will never manifest his goodness until you learn to marinate in it. You will never manifest his joy if you're not saturated with it. You will never manifest his love if you're not drunk in it. You can never give his goodness away if you're not full of it. You can never give his joy away if you're not abiding in it. If they're not going inside you, then we just don't have them to give away. You know, I've, I've noticed... I'm noticing more and more a link between the degree to which I marinate in his love and the weight of his love that that falls when I have interactions with other people. And it can happen in just like the simplest ways. Um, and, you know, I love sharing testimonies of like really amazing things that I've, if I've seen God do them and stuff like that. But this is kind of a silly story. Um, it's just a silly little story. But it, I think it kind of highlights what I'm talking about. There was one day where I was like, I was on the phone sorting out insurance and I'd been on hold for ages. While I was on hold, I'm like, might as well, I'm just going to abide in his love for a while. I'm just resting in his love while I'm listening to this beautiful hold music. (laughs) It, It wasn't that beautiful, but I was having a good time. And then Then the lady, eventually I get to speak to this lady, and um, she's really, really helpful. Actually, she's a really, really lovely person. She's like a bubbly, really fun lady, really chatty, and really helpful. And we get to the end of the call, and um, I just said, Can I ask you a random question? She was like, Sure. I was like, Do you bake? It just goes quiet for a really long time. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's literally all I had. I didn't have like this like, really long prophetic word. It's like, do you bake? And it just goes quiet. And then eventually, she goes, what? <laughs> like, like she's annoyed now. Her tone has <laughs> changed. She's, she's, she's starting to think, like all these thoughts are going through her head. of Oh no. I thought that this guy seemed kind of normal, but. She says, What? Do you bake? Silence again. Why? She literally said it like that. Why? And then I just started to say that I just, I'm a Christian, and God show me. That you are a really amazing baker and actually it's a passion of yours but you just thought it's like a little hobby but you're actually amazing at it and it brings joy i feel like you bake for lots of people that you know and it really blesses their hearts and you bring joy to other people when you do it but i think you need to realize this actually could be the thing that you do and i feel like you need to enter competitions and i started seeing bake off as well and she goes and i was like You know, I just start going after all this stuff. And then then she goes quiet again. She goes... And I just heard her... She starts sobbing. She's like weeping on the phone. She's like, that's so true. She's like, yes... She goes, I love baking pies. I do it all the time. In fact, yesterday I baked a pie and I took it to my brother-in-law's house. She goes, I'm always baking pies, but I never thought I was actually that good. And then she was like... She goes... You've, this has changed everything. This is, you've made my week. You've, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, I, and then I, that night, Bake Off was on and it was pie week. And I was thinking, <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. But it's a silly story. But all I said was, do you bake? And it's like she experiences this counter encounter with the father's love. It it didn't need a complicated, as much as I love them, it didn't need a detailed, complicated word of knowledge or prophetic word. It was just, do you bake? But it came from this place of abiding in his love. And as I interacted with another, the Father's love just came on that. The same thing happens with joy. When you're abiding in his joy, you can walk in a room and just smile at people and joy just breaks out in that place. You don't need to say, the joy of the Lord is in this place. <laughs> Everybody, the joy of the Lord is in this place. <laughs> Rejoice. You, you know, if you're just abiding in it, you can just walk into a place and it just starts leaking out. You know, I was, um, I was recently um, met up with a friend of mine, and um, well, he came into the office the other day. And I said, oh, how are you doing? And he's like, oh, I've got a really bad cold, but other than that, I'm good. And he sits down and we just start chatting. And um, we end up just talking about healing and, and divine health. And a lot of us, we see a lot of those things very, very similarly, but the area of like losing your healing and abiding in health and stuff like that, I could tell I was saying a few things that he was like, well, not sure what I think about that. <laughs> you might be going from faith into presumption there a little bit. And I'm like and I, I was just we were just going through this and it was a really really good discussion and then I, I asked him at one point um, is it possible for Christians to get sick? it's an interesting question isn't it? people are like you're like uh, duh <laughs> and he's like well yeah I mean he's, I'm sat here with a cold and I have injuries in my body and, and I've known lots of people to get sick And and I said well do we believe it's possible because we see it happen? Or do we see it happen because we believe it's possible? Should I say that again? Do we believe it's possible because we see it happen? Or do we see it happen because we believe it's possible? And I said to him, maybe we just have amazing faith that we're going to get sick. And I just looked at him smiling. And he was like, I, I, after a while he was like, I have to go now. And then he stood up and he goes, I don't have my cold anymore. I, did, I didn't pray for him. I didn't, even say God's healing you, but I'm just abiding in something, and as I'm talking to him and looking at him, he just encounters it. Notice here, it doesn't say minister by the Spirit. It doesn't say do outreach by the Spirit. It doesn't say do evangelism by the Spirit. It doesn't say do church by the Spirit. It says live by the Spirit. That means do everything from him unto him, with him. God sees no separation in your life. You know, if my Christian ministry is anything other than an outworking of what is already being cultivated in my life, then you have good reason to question the credibility of everything that comes out of my mouth. doesn't matter if it's teaching, leading worship, or whatever. Everything is an overflow of, what we, of what's happening between us and him. So, you know, just looking at, you know, think about me today. If the only way I can prepare for things like this is by locking myself away in a room and having God time, then what you will get from me here is performance without authority rather than power from authenticity. You know, um, recently... um, I ended up in A&E with my wife um, for about five hours or so on a Saturday night. She started experiencing this pain in her side, which was, she said it was the same pain she had years ago when they found a cyst uh, that they thought might be cancerous in her gallbladder, and her gallbladder eventually had to be removed. Long story short, had an encounter with a dream. The gallbladder, the, the cyst disappeared. Um, that's a whole other story, um, which I didn't do justice right then. But <laughs> didn't steward that testimony well at that point. Um, but so I was actually at a conference here, and then I had to leave straight from it. And I was actually tell, telling Dave at the time. I was like, "Oh, I think I have to go because." Um, Kate's in extreme pain, and it's the, she says it's the same pain that she had that time before. So he goes to the hospital. Now, this might surprise you, because this is my wife, who I love, but I don't really remember, other than maybe something very, very quick at the beginning, but I didn't really pray for her at all. I just sat there in the hospital and just thought, I'm going to get myself good and drunk. I'm just going to sit here in his goodness right now. I'm going to sit here in the opposite of everything external right now. is trying to tell me. What am I doing? I'm focusing on the live part. I'm focusing on the live part. I'm letting him take care of the outworking part. I'm like, I'm, going to, I'm, just, going to, I'm just going to sit myself here. I'm going to be a portal of heaven right here. I'm going to be that portal of heaven right here in the hospital, and nothing but good stuff is going to come out of that. I'm just people were like, "Is he asleep?" People said, "Is he asleep?" <laughs> no, I'm just really happy. I'm just getting really happy. My wife's in agony, and I'm getting really happy. It can look, re- it could, if you on the external, it's offensive. But how many people know sometimes the most offensive-looking person in the, world, in the room is the person you actually need the most? Yeah, that's right. That's right. We, went, we ended up going home, and that was on Saturday night. And uh, I just carried on doing that, doing what I do. Um, Tuesday night, she said to me, I'm going to running club. So I figured she was feeling good by then, and that was the end of that story. You know, the Westminster Catechism, which was written about 500 years ago, was basically loads of leaders from the UK coming together when there was a time of great division in the church, saying, "Okay, what what are the things we can agree on? What are the things we can agree on?" And they came up with two. Okay, the chief end of man is to glorify God and what? enjoy Him forever this is not new this is not new teaching in other words whatever I'm doing if I'm not enjoying God while I'm doing it I'm doing it wrong that's a good word now If I am oriented by the person of Christ, that means I'm going to be oriented from his absolute victory over every circumstance that I come across. But when I orient myself around a perceived absence of Christ, which many of us do without realizing it, what then am I bringing into those circumstances? You know, the more the more I do this, the more I realise the wisest thing that you can do is get drunk and stay drunk. I'm serious. God is love. So when your tiny little frame is full of him, that's going to stump things going to happen to you that you can't control you could term it different ways being possessed by God being intoxicated with his goodness his love, whatever it is but Ephesians 3 makes it clear that you can't be full of him apart from a love encounter it's not possible and everything flows from that connection you know being part of a community like Eastgate being part when you're part of a culture like this where we talk a lot about the presence of God we talk about being presence centered sooner or later something's going to happen in you where you're going to find yourself in this kind of environment where you're experiencing the presence of God in corporate situations and you go home to your life And in those situations at home where you're not experiencing that, you're going to experience what I would call a holy dissatisfaction with the inconsistency of your experience. And it's going to take you on a journey. It's going to take you on a journey where you're seeking to be more present-centered in all the other areas of your life. That's a good thing. But if we're not careful... It can start to become a have to rather than a get to. Let me explain. The more you realize that nothing good happens unless his presence is there, the more at risk we are of almost taking on a pressure to carry that presence into the situations that we go into. You know, as my value for his presence increases, In a funny kind of way, so does my awareness of where I'm not seeing that experienced. The more I value the presence of God in my life, the more aware I will become of where I don't see his presence manifested in my life. And then the danger then, it becomes something that I have to do rather than I get to do. You know, I oh somebody wants me to pray for them, oh God, I need your presence. We get us we put put ourselves into lack mode. But the thing is this there is nothing more important to him than you enjoying him. There is nothing more important than you can do with your life than enjoy him. The same one who, when an Israelite grabbed the ark as it falls off the cart and is str- struck and stricken down by the Lord, the same one wanted to pursue me so much that he paid the ultimate price to qualify me so that I get to enjoy him. When I'm brush, after I brush my teeth and looking at BBC Sport walking back to my bed and experience his glory that's how much he wants you to enjoy him you might say no he, he paid the ultimate price so I could be saved yes and no He could have saved you without making you a son. Galatians 4, 5 says that we were, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law that what? That we might receive the full rights of sons. There's no greater purpose for your life than to enjoy him as father. That's why I can say with confidence that whatever you do, wherever you go, wherever you are, if you're not enjoying him while you're doing it, you're doing it wrong. We're running out of time. Well, we've run out of time. <laughs> so I just want to pray. What, what I want to pray for is if you are... If while I've been talking, you've become aware that there are areas of your life where Jesus isn't enthroned as king. There are areas of your life where you don't see his presence cultivated and you you want that to change. then would you stand and I want to pray for you. Father, I thank you that this is your idea. Father, I thank you that this is your idea. Jesus, this is your idea. Father, I thank you that you wanted this and you want this more than we do. Father, would you awaken our eyes, open our eyes to see that right now. Open our eyes to see that right now, Lord, that you, that you pursued us, that you've been pursuing us every day, every moment, every day. You've been pursuing us since the beginning of time, and you are pursuing us even now, every moment. So, Father, right now, we just relinquish, we surrender the parts of our lives hidden from you right now. We surrender them to your goodness and your love. But we're not surrendering them in an Old Testament mindset where it just looks painful and hard. We are surrendering them to your goodness. Father, right now we just surrender our lives fully to your goodness, to your love, to your grace, to your kindness, to your mercy. Father, we just say we want it all. We want it all. We want you all in every single facet and aspect of our life. Father, God, would you possess us right now? Would you possess our lives? Father, we we give you permission to arrest us in the middle of our days, in the middle of our routines, in the middle of our presence avoidance programs. We give you permission to arrest us and say, now, I want you now. I want to come in now. I want to fill you with my love now. And Father, would you activate that, that in us, God, that in those times that we would just stop what we're doing and we're like, God, it's just you. It's just you, God. It's just you. It's just you. It's, it's just you. And I give you permission to overwhelm me with your goodness. I give you permission to overwhelm me with your goodness. Father God, I just release that right now in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen.